Welcome back to Dafa Shavua. This week we're going to be learning Meseches Ksubo stuff, Chavches. And uh, we're going to be concluding Perak of Haisha Shenis Armala before we enter and make way into uh, one of the most famous prakim in all of Shas, the Perak of Elu Naaros, which is the third Perak in Meseches Ksubos. So the Mishnah on the bottom of Daf Chavzayin Amadbeiz. Uh, continues a conversation that the Gemara was having on Chavzayin, uh, Amad Aleph, Chavzayin Amad Beis, about a person going ahead and a person testifying uh, on his own behalf. So the Gemara presents a statement that's made by Rav Zechariah ben Hakatsov. And Rav Zechariah ben Hakatsov, uh, many of the Mepharshim try to understand what it means that his name was Zechariah ben Hakatsov. Does it say something about uh, his profession? Does it say something about who he was and what he did? But the Gemara tells us, and the Mishnah records over here, that Zechariah ben Hakatsov swore that throughout the entire siege of Yerushalayim, lo zaza mitoch yadi, that his wife's hand never left him from the time that the Ovedei Kochavim, from the time that the uh, the siegers of Yerushalayim entered into the city uh, until they left, they never uh, touched, they never interacted with, her hand never left his side. And then the Gemara tells us that the Chachamim respond to him that Ein Adam made al that he's disqualified to testify for himself because the testimony is going to be for his own benefit. So the Gemara over here, uh, the Gemara over here is uh, trying to understand what the concept is of being able to testify for oneself when there is benefit to you, when there's not benefit to you, how this plays a role uh, within a uh, concept that we've been discussing of Eid Echad, Ne'eman Be'isurin, and, uh, and, and how that plays out in a practical way. Rashi, interestingly, doesn't say anything uh, on this uh, on this spot about who this Zechari ben Akatsev was, but Revavadim Ibaratinura in the Mishnayos points out that he was for sure a Kohen, and uh, the ramifications on a halachic level of him being a Kohen and his wife having been taken by uh, Ovdei Kochavim are going to be vast and that whether or not he'd be allowed to continue to be married to her in a state of Shivuya if she had been taken captive would uh, would uh, be re- determined based on his uh, based on his Testimony. So the Gemara tells us that even though she was Asura to him, they allowed this woman to remain living in the same Chatzar as long as they avoided Yichud issues. And the Gemara then wonders if a Kohen can go uh, and do the same thing with his Grusha. If a Kohen goes and divorces uh, a woman, is a Kohen and a Grusha allowed, and his Grusha allowed to stay and live in the, uh, in the same quarters? And the Gemara goes on to discuss in such a situation, who would have to leave for who? Who would get pushed out of this uh, particular area for whom? And uh, and uh, how that would play out practically in terms of who can stay on the um, on the area in which they lived together. So the Ramah in Yoridea in Simon Kufiya Tess, Hilchus Gittin over there, discusses many of these halachos about what the halachic ramifications are uh, and where a divorcee is supposed to live after they are divorced. There are obviously halachic problems with a divorcee remaining uh, in the same property as uh, as her husband. Certainly, if her former husband, if her ex-husband was a Kohen, and uh, the Ramah over there presents to us all of the different uh, halachos that are going to become practical in such a situation. In Evan Ezer, Simon Kuf Yud Tes Seif Ches, so the Shulchan Aruch presents us with the following uh, situation, and the Shulchan Aruch tells us that in a situation that he, uh, and the Gemara is going to describe this momentarily, but in a situation where he owes money to this woman, so uh, she is allowed to make a shaliach to go and receive the uh, the payment that her former husband owns, 
uh, owes her. And what we're nervous about is that if she goes and she has to get money from him, so they're going to rekindle this relationship. And uh, we're nervous that there could be some sort of znus that's going to take place as a, uh, as a result. The Ramah describes that he can go ahead and he can feed uh, his ex-wife. He can provide her with mizonos. That it's a mitzvah to feed her more than other uh, more than other anim. But the Ramah it does add a caveat over here that it must be done through a shaliach and it shouldn't be done directly. The Gra describes that there's a medrash that appears in Vayikra Rabba, the medrash in Vayikra, which tells us that. When, uh, when we, when it, when it comes to supporting other people, when it comes to supporting Anim, so we have to make sure that, uh, you support people that are closest to you. And according to the Gra, that we have to support, uh, uh, an ex-wife when somebody, uh, gets divorced. So the, uh, the Medrash is telling us that we have an extra, uh, an extra command over here to make sure that an ex-wife is taken care of when, uh, when a person gets divorced. So the Gemara then goes on and asks what to, uh, what to do. Uh, in all of these situations. And once again, who is to move out for whom? So the Gemara describes the difference that if they are renting the property or if they are owning the property and what level of, uh, what level of ownership would be required to make the husband move out, to make the wife move out and uh, what that would look like, um, should that situation unfortunately become practical. The Shita Mikubetas over here writes that the man should be the one that should go out and the woman should stay based on the concept of kivoda bas melech penima. That it isn't proper for her to go out and to start having to look for places to live on her own, to start getting involved in all sorts of real estate uh, transactions. And we have a concept of, uh, of tznius and kivoda bas melech penima, that he should be the one that puts himself out there to try to go and try to find somewhere uh, to try to find somewhere to live. Now, obviously, uh, depending on uh, the different places that a person comes from and the different practices and the locales that uh, that we're describing, so this concept is going to uh, be utilized or not utilized in uh, in its own uh, way, in its own shape and form. Obviously, dependent on the times of uh, the times in which we live. Nowadays, this is much less of a concern. This concern of kivoda basmelach penima in terms of uh, professional aspirations and professional ambitions. Certainly, uh, it's something to be cognizant of and it's something to think about. But when we think about the halachic terminology that, uh, that we're using over here, so um, whether or not this would, uh, this would play out practically, so a person would have to uh, consult with a posik. This also is certainly related to a halachic concept that the Rambam uh, describes to us, the concept of sirara, about women holding public positions and being uh, public faces, um, in the, uh, in the, uh, in public, uh, uh, offices, uh, and the like, and in each community. So there are, uh, all sorts of different, um, psukim when it comes to the, uh, the concept of Sarara. Every community has a different standard in terms of how that concept plays out, practically plays out Lamaisa. So Gemara then goes on to discuss a case of a Kohen. Um, and uh, all of the monetary issues that uh, that are going to take place when he owes her money, when she owes him money. What happens if there was money still in limbo, money that they invested together? This is obviously uh, one of the grounds for the um, for uh, many uh, current marital financial situations in terms of um, people that uh, share bank accounts and how that would uh, play out should a couple, God forbid, have to uh, have to uh, separate from one another. So the next mission in the middle of Gav. Chavchesamadalef describes cases in which an adult is allowed to testify about something that this uh, that this particular adult saw when they were a child, and the Mishnah describes the uh, the following phrase. And the Mishnah tells us 
that these people are able to testify in their state of adulthood based on something that they saw, something that they saw when... Uh, when they were a child. So the Mishnah tells us that a, uh, a gadol can testify about the handwriting of his father, the handwriting of his rebbe, the handwriting of his brother, and he can say that, I remember so-and-so uh, happened. Mostly the Mishnah is referring to things that are durabanan, but when it comes to things that are de'oraisa, we're going to need uh, a person to uh, to have a uh, uh, established adulthood in order for that testimony to become, uh, in order for that testimony to become valid in a, uh, in a based it. Now, there are uh, a lot of beautiful pieces of Torah over here about a child remembering uh, the handwriting of uh, of the child's Rebbe could have an imprint on a uh, on a child that which a uh, teacher that which a mora that which whomever it is teaches to a uh, teaches to a child and this is actually something that's halachically valuable because a child can testify. This is certainly the handwriting of my teacher based on something that a, uh, based on something that a teacher wrote on a board or wrote on a piece of paper when this, uh, when this, uh, adult was a, uh, was a child. So the mission over here implies, uh, that a person cannot testify when he is an adult for something that he saw, uh, when he was a katan. And Tosos wonders, wait, wait a second. There's a Gemara in Psachim on Daf Dalid, Ahmed Beis, and Tosos over there describes to us that a child can testify about Bidikas Chametz, that Bidikas Chametz was performed in a particular house. So, which of these two Gemaras are we going to accept practically? Are we going to say that a Katan uh, is unable to testify about all of these issues, specifically Bidikas Chametz, uh, or is a Katan going to be believed? And what is the difference between Bidikas Chametz and many of the other, uh, many of the other um, uh, many of the other uh, aspects of testimony that we have over here. So Tosos answers that the Rabbanon permitted a katan, a child, to testify in the case of Dikas Chametz because it's what we referred to as biyado. It's in his uh, ability to go and search the house of Chametz himself. He's not necessarily testifying uh, about a kahuna or about Chum Shabbos, something that's out of his control. His uh, ability to testify about what goes on in his house is biado. It's in his jurisdiction. It's in his hands. And therefore, we can trust him. The Rashba adds that in the case of Bidikas Chametz, the Katan says that I myself checked the house for Chametz. And he's believed when he says that he did something himself because he's going to be more careful about it. He's going to perform it more seriously. And the Rashba even goes a step further. And the Rashba says that Bidikas Chametz is a procedure that's formed, uh, that's done every single year. And it involves everyone. And therefore, a child knows that B'dikas Chametz was done in the proper way, and uh, this is going to be the practical halacha when it comes to whether or not we can believe a child in the realm of uh, B'dikas Chametz. The Ritva points out over here that we have a principle that's referred to in halacha as Raglayim Ladavar, and uh, everyone else in our community is checking for Chametz, so we can assume that he's going to go ahead and he's going to do it, uh, he's going to do it as well. The Gemara then goes on to discuss many of the details related uh, to the cases that the Kitana uh, is going to uh, the Katana is going to testify about. One of these cases that the Gemara presents is that he's testifying about a friend that this particular friend would leave school. He would go home to eat truma. And the Gemara 
tells us that this could potentially prove that this uh, this person is a Kohen. He's testifying about his genealogy. He's testifying about his commitment to the kahuna. And the Gemara suggests that maybe, wait a second, maybe we can't learn anything out from this because maybe this person is an Eved of a Kohen. And if this person is an Eved of a Kohen, so that's not going to tell us anything vis-a-vis his status uh, in uh, in general as a uh, as a Kohen. So the Gemara then says in the name of Rabbi Shuman Levi that once we're testifying that this person was in school and this person was learning Torah, we know, says Rabbi Shubin Levi, that it's usher to teach Torah to a non-Jew, and therefore this is a proof that he isn't a slave. So the combination of his learning of Torah and his consumption of truma could teach us that uh, this person, that this katan is testifying about, uh, was and is uh, going to have the status of uh, of, uh, of being a kohen, which gets us into the discussion regarding teaching Torah to non-Jews and what we are allowed to teach and what is going to be prohibited to teach. So obviously, when it comes to teaching Torah to non-Jews, so they're certainly allowed to learn. They're certainly allowed to know the Shev Mitzvah Spinei Noach. It's uh, quite a famous story about the Lubavitcher Rebbe, that the Lubavitcher Rebbe did his best, that every uh, child should know the Shev Mitzvah Spinei Noach. He wanted to introduce it into the curricula of uh, public schools, the Shev Mitzvah Spinei Noach. And the Shev Mitzvah Spinei Noach, they certainly uh, are able to learn. Those are the uh, seven mitzvahs that the Gemara describes in Mesechas Sanhedrin. But the Gemara in Sanhedrin on Daf Nuntes and the Gemara in Chagiga on Daf Yud Gimel uh, described to us that it's usher to teach a Torah, to teach Torah to non-Jews. And the Rambam in the 10th parak of Hilchus Malachim codifies this Lahalacha and says that non-Jews uh, aren't allowed to learn all other areas of Torah other than the Sheva Mitzvah B'nai Noach. Shote Giborim, uh, another one of the Yishonim, writes that there's no issue to teach a non-Jew Tanakh. The Tanakh is uh, something, the Torah Shebech is something that uh, was Given to uh, was given to the entire world, then it can uh, certainly add elements of uh, morality and dignity to the world as a whole. The Nitziv also has a similar statement in the Meishiv Davar, and the Nitziv says that you can teach uh, a non-Jew all of Torah Shebech Sav, but they're not allowed to learn Torah Sheba Alpen. Ravadi Yosef happens to be in his Yechavadas a little bit more uh, stringent in terms of that which we're allowed to teach to uh, to non-Jews, and Ravadi Yosef thinks that. Even in the realm of Torah, Sheh, Bichsav, we have to be stringent about that which we're allowed to go ahead and that which we're allowed to teach. In Igris Moshe, in Yoridea Simon, uh, uh, Bez, Simon Kuf Lamed Bez, Sir Moshe Feinstein has, uh, has a whole description over here about teaching Torah to non-Jews and what the world of teaching Torah to non-Jews, uh, should look like in its most lichat chila, uh, way. And Moshe says, and this is actually something once again that can be pl- applied practically to the world of Pesach and the world of, uh, inviting non-Jews to our Seder. Are we allowed to have non-Jews at our Seder? So there are uh, all sorts of debates and discussions about this uh, on a halachic level, one of which is the concept of what we refer to in halacha and certainly in the world of Bishal on Yom Tov, of what's called Marbe B'Shiurim. Are we allowed to cook for a non-Jew on Yom Tov? And the, halachic, the simple halachic answer to this question uh, is, uh, is no, that it is only permitted to go ahead and to cook on Yom Tov for a uh, for a Jew. And that uh, puts us, uh, uh, put this entire practice into, uh, into question whether or not we're allowed to cook for non-Jews on, uh, for non-Jews on Yom Tov. But the problem that we have over here is that when we have Seder night and the entire goal of Seder night is Vigadatelabincha, Payomahulimor. So what, uh, what are we allowed to talk about? What are we allowed to say? How are we allowed 
uh, to go ahead and uh, and to have non-Jews at our Seder. So Moshe Feinstein is not so concerned about this uh, about this because Moshe says that the real goal is to teach the Jews. The goal is to tell the story to my children. I'm focused solely on sharing the story of Yitzhak Mitzrayim with my children. Okay, so by uh, as a byproduct, the uh, the non-Jews around the table are uh, are listening, perhaps, or hearing. But when it comes to uh, the direct telling of the story, I really want to give over this information to my children and to the Jews around the table. And therefore, Moshe Feinstein describes the fact that it wouldn't be such a problem. It wouldn't be such an issue uh, if uh, the non-Jews are passively around the table and listening to the discussions that we are having uh, on Seder night. So the Gemara uh, then goes on to discuss some of the Tuma and Tara related issues regarding cemeteries and bone fragments that may be in cemeteries and all sorts of testimonies that would come from the Katan uh, in these particular cases as we get down to the bottom of Daf Chavches Amabiz and as we get to the conclusion of the Perak Ha'isha Shenis Armala and we have these final statements um, about the uh, the testimony that this uh, that this particular uh, this particular person makes about Besapras, about areas of a um, of a cemetery that have tuma that have bone fragments and other areas that are going to be uh, mutter for a going to uh, walk into and what level uh, of testimony children are going to believe. Uh, going to be believed when they testify about these particular areas. So we've uh, now concluded the parak of Haisha Shenis Armala, the parak that describes a tremendous amount about the uh, believability and the reliability and the credibility uh, of women, of men, about all sorts of testimony that they can uh, provide about themselves, about others, about the kahuna, about genealogy, about yichus. And that brings us into the third chapter of Meseches Ksubos, the chapter of Elu Naros, which is, uh, like I said at the outset, one of the uh, more famous prakim in all of uh, in all of Shas, a parak that has a tremendous amount of uh, lambdas, a tremendous amount of analysis in it, and uh, a really exciting beginning to the third parak of Meseches Ksubos, that is Meseches Ksubos, Daf Chaf Ches.